Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's Friday, the 22nd day in December, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me as we break down all the market action. Good Friday morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Friday. It's the eve of the eve of the Christmas break. Oh, which means I really got to get started with my Christmas shopping. Have you not gotten started already? <laughs> what are you waiting for? The post-Christmas sales? I've been so busy, Ryan. I need some helpers. I need some elves. Elves, we've got a couple around the office. <laughs> Maybe you could help <laughs> Michelle out. I hope so. Let's start this morning with one of the largest sportswear makers in the world, a company whose swoosh has been synonymous with athletic shoes and profits. I'm talking about the shoes I really coveted when I was 16. Pair Nikes! Unfortunately, the headlines are not so good for Nike this morning. The company is projecting lower sales because of China's slowing economy and what it describes as a cautious consumer behavior in other markets like Europe, the Middle East as well. How is Nike Responding to this slowdown, Ryan. Yeah, time to put more Nikes on your shopping list because they are not doing so well. So we are seeing some weakness in expectations. So Nike is talking about missing sales estimates on weaker demand and a couple of things that are weak and they include the markets like China. So let's take a look at what China is posting in the latest quarter. It was up 4%, still growing, but 4% only compared with a 5% growth in the first quarter. And a sign that perhaps things are not really gaining traction, not a lot of momentum in the recovery in China, which is a huge market for Nike. Okay, let's take a look at what it might do to help turn things around. And that is with the cost savings or cost cutting measures it's going to be putting in place to save up to $2 billion in savings over the next three years. Now, $2 billion. If you think about it, it means it is going to cut costs big time. And you can imagine what might happen. You might see some things being consolidated, some things being cut back, some product lines being shelved. It could mean a big shakeup in three years. So this is shaking up the confidence or at least the nervousness is being shaken, stirred up right now among investors. Lots of nervousness. Two billion US dollars in cuts. Quite a lot that Nike is looking at. What impact do you think this is going to have on the business and the brand? Yeah, it's probably going to be a tough pill to swallow short term at least. So you've got to have some short term pain for long term gains. Among the things it's going to be doing is simplifying its product assortment increasing automation and streamlining pretty much organization-wide. That will take time to mm. pay off. But you know, we can kind of tell it's going to be potentially good, right? You've got automation, productivity gains, uh, a simpler product line, perhaps it will maybe be more efficient in marketing. And these things will mean, I guess, a payoff down the road, but not anytime soon. Wow, tough times ahead. Nike shares are taking a Big hit in after-hours trade. Look at that. They're down nearly 12%. Shares of the retail chain Foot Locker, which sells a lot of Nike products, down 7%. Here in Singapore, an activist investor, Quartz Capital, making headlines again. And once again, the company that is in Quartz's site is Sabana REIT. Sabana has a property portfolio of 18 industrial properties across Singapore. You'll recall that earlier this year, Quartz forced Sabana to fire its external manager 
managers and bring its management in-house. But while Sabana won key votes on these issues at a Sabana EGM in August, no change has actually happened yet. So what is Quartz doing about this now? Yeah, this is almost like a trailer for Season 2. What's going to be happening? So we had, if you cast mind back a few months ago, both sides are loggerheads because one side wanted to internalize the read manager. The other side said, hey guys, everything's fine. We don't need to do it. And the thing about it is it kind of paved the way for a new way of thinking about reads that maybe internalizing reads is the way to go to operate more efficiently, to streamline operations, remove any potential conflict of interests. And we saw a lot of minority shareholders agreeing with the activist shareholder, Quartz Capital. They voted for that happen. That was nearly five months ago. So here is where we have a bit of a crossroads now. Quartz Capital saying, hey, what is going on? We voted on this five months ago. Where is the progress? Mm. They are not happy with how things have been moving along. And now they are pressing for this EGM to vote, a couple, vote in a couple of things. One is to, I would phrase it as put pressure on the current trustee to do more and more transparently as what they hope to have. Like two weeks, every two weeks, there will be a written update on what's going on. So I think that kind of gives you an idea of how much... Um, urgency they are trying to push forth with the latest EGM. Quartz Capital clearly frustrated that it's taken so long to change Sabana Reitz's management structure, which of course will take time. How do you see this playing out? Hmm. Okay, you've got already before this entire thing happening five months ago, you had a trustee manager saying, hey, it's going to take a long time. It might take 12 months to play out. You might need a couple of things to be amended on the trustee deed. So you've got the processes that need to happen so you can't really say that, no, this is a surprise. So these are things that need to happen. But at the same time, I suppose it's about communication. And it does look like Quartz Capital is hungry for more information alongside the other shareholders. So perhaps there needs to be some common ground they need to figure out how to reach so that this doesn't drag on to become, uh, I guess, an ugly battle in public because the optics is bad news for the unit price short term at least, maybe even long term. Sabana REIT units are down 10% from the beginning of the year and they've been languishing at around 38 to 39 cents per unit since August. Next up this morning, I have a little quiz for you, listener. It is getting close to the end of the year. I didn't even realize that this is the last working day before Christmas. So let's mix things up a little bit. Ryan, I'm going to ask you to help us out with the answers, okay? But you have to give them Jeopardy style in the form of a question. Hmm. Are you ready? Let's try it out. (laughs) I have four questions. And for those listening at home, let's see how many you get right. I'll give you clues, okay? The first question has to do with aviation. If we look back at 2023, what do you think is the world's busiest flight route? Are you ready? The flight takes less than an hour. It's not the first year that this route has topped the charts. Still not sure. I have one more hint for you. No doubt a lot of people listening today have flown on this route. In fact, who knows, they may be on this flight right now. So Ryan, what do you think? What is the world's busiest international flight route? Okay, I can't remember how to play Jeopardy. I think it's almost 20 years ago (laughs) since I watched it. So I'm supposed to give you a question as the answer. Is that right? You're so Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is the busiest uh, route that takes only an hour? That's it. So think about it. 
it just takes an hour. You can even get there from Singapore via traffic, by, by the roads. You got it, right? Yeah. It is? is the KL Singapore route. That is. That is it. What is Singapore to Kuala Lumpur? So this is seeing a, the number of seats um, being taken up in the past year up by 50%. So it is really heating up in terms of the rebound at least. So this is a reflection of how Asian countries are starting to recover in the past year. In fact, of the top three international routes, Singapore is part of three of them. Okay, of the top 10, I should say. So that's pretty good, right? In addition to KL Singapore, flights from Singapore to Jakarta and Singapore to Bangkok are among the most travelled in the world. Absolutely fantastic. All right, time now for our second question. What is this year's most popular retail stock? Or which company has attracted the most interest from the retail investor? Your first hint is, this company features in the news a lot because its CEO makes a lot of headlines. Ah, oh, it's so easy, this one. Uh, this company has also joined the S&P 300. It did so this week, three years ago. <laughs> All right, which is the guy who keeps giving when it comes to news? <laughs> it's not Donald Trump. <laughs> it has to be Elon Musk. Absolutely right. So our answer is, what is Tesla? More than 45 billion US dollars of retail investor funds have flowed to Tesla this year. Tesla's share price has more than doubled since the start of the year. Mm. Look at that. It, is, it may be the most actively traded stock, but it is not the world's best performing equity. That honor belongs to another company in the EV space, a South Korean company. It makes cathodes. That's a key material in EV batteries. So... Which stock is the world's best performing equity this year, Ryan? All right, I suppose the question will be, what is EcoPro? You got it. So this is the South Korean company, one of many in the Bloomberg World Index. It is number one when it comes to returns, delivering nearly 570% this year. It is quite a crazy run-up. And just to give you some context of how crazy it is, NVIDIA, I mean, talking about how it's been doing pretty good this year, it's only up 242%. Mm -hmm. Tesla itself up 135%. Here's one chip or one stock that's been on a bit of a tear, up nearly 600%. And they are in a bit of a sweet spot. You mentioned the EV space. Mm -hmm. And this is really seeing a lot of Korean investors thinking, hey, this is... A stock that's got room to go. You've got actually a lot of things going for it, like YouTube influencers cheering on a lot of bullish calls there. I think that's one of the many factors helping to drive up interest. I have to say it was a tough one uh, when I looked at this, you know, EcoPro, because their shares have actually tumbled 50% since mm. July. But overall, they're up 600% since January, nearly. Another nugget about EcoPro, its founder, who is uh, Lee Dong Che, is currently in prison for insider trading. Yeah, that kind of gives you an idea how volatile it is. Even though it's down 50% from its peak, it is still the best performing stock. A lot of question marks there. Founder in jail. All right, our last Jeopardy-style quiz this morning. Quiz question for you. Comes from the world of sports. Can you name sports associations that have been declared illegal monopolies by a European court? Name the sports associations. Uh, that's well, a clue. That's a one. <laughs> what is the Super League? Uh, okay. Would that be the... Uh, completely acceptable. Completely. 
What are FIFA and UEFA? Ah, So the European Court of Justice says UEFA and FIFA have been abusing their dominant position in the sports market to prevent rival leagues from challenging it. What do you make of this? Yeah, so if you're a football fan, this would have been quite a fantasy kind of news. Like, hey, some of the biggest clubs coming together to make their own league. No, get away from the small fries. We'll just come up with our own games and make all the money ourselves. If so, they do that. If they, if they actually had a chance to carry out their plans <laughs> and it manifested. That would have been something that would have happened and changed the, almost the complexion of the game and worldwide sports. So, of course, this has been deemed not fair no, because it would mean abusing, like you pointed out, a dominant position. It's not fair for the smaller folks and it would just mean chaos. So, you have now the ruling from a top EU court saying this is not something they want to see anytime soon and they've threatened if anything of this pattern appears again, it will mean a lot of punishments for any club who takes part in this, what's being deemed as an illegal monopoly. Mm. If Europe's top clubs do form a new Super League, this could really, really transform the football landscape. So we'll all be staying tuned to see whether that happens. Some good news, though, for fans who like the current setup, at least for now. Manchester United says it will not join a new Super League. Let's turn to US markets where stocks have recovered from Wednesday's night losses. The Nasdaq jumped one and a quarter percent. S&P 500 jumped one percent. Now back within a new range, uh, range of a new record high, I should say. The Dow finished up nearly one percent as well. And these gains have analysts wondering if Wednesday's sell-off was a fluke, perhaps triggered by derivatives and the options market. Okay, it's time for corporate news. We do it up or down style. Is Micron up or down? All right, it's going to be an up for me. And Mm. this is with the latest news around Micron signaling that perhaps a recovery is coming. And this with the recovery for the demand for memory and flash storage next year. And also, prices will be improving next year after going through quite a bit of a slump. And we are seeing Micron's Outlook helping to lift pretty much the wider chip industry as well. Shares of Micron jumping more than 8% overnight on the back of news of strong earnings. Also, the sense that the chip maker could be the next AI play for investors. Micron has a new module that is built for supercomputing, and that's expected to generate hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue in the coming year. Up for Micron in my book. How are deposit rates in China looking? Hmm, They are looking down, at least when it comes to rates going down. So you've got China, biggest state-owned banks, going on another wave of rate cuts. So this is, I suppose, part of wider plans to encourage lending and boost the economy somehow. But a big question mark will still remain whether the appetite to borrow is going to be there. So for now, it's going to be a down. Yeah. China's state-owned banks cutting deposit rates again for the third time this year, by the way. The banks are trying to maintain their profitability by paying out less to depositors at a time when the Chinese government is requiring them to help support the country's struggling property developers. So deposit rates are going down. I think this is a down for China's big financial institutions like the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China. Next, let's look at OPEC. All right, OPEC is going to be a down. It's a club that someone 
Uh, it has well, it's a club that's getting smaller right now. So this is the cartel that decides, you know, how much supply goes into the market. Somehow, well, one of the members has decided to head for the doors. It's Angola. So this is going to be bad news for the Saudi-led oil producer group, which has been trying to ready support for further output cuts to prop up oil prices. So if you look at the numbers, Angola produces only 1.1 million barrels of oil per day. And the wider group com- compared to it produces 28 million barrels of oil per day. So Angola itself already is struggling to hit its usual quotas. So the bit of friction between Angola and the wider group is that Saudi Arabia has been trying to cut its quota that it can produce. And Angola has been a bit worried saying, hey, if I want to raise my capacity next time, I will be limited by my quotas. So they don't see any usefulness being in the OPEC group and they have decided to say, hey, why should I stick the rules? I'll just do my own thing. And they have left the OPEC grouping. After 16 years of membership, the West African nation leaving OPEC, uh, West African nation of Angola, apparently it felt it was being pushed around by those larger oil producers. And let's say um, Angola's departure unlikely to affect global oil prices. At the same time, though, it is raising questions about whether other oil producing nations may leave the cartel as well. So I'm going to give OPEC a down. Next up, let's look at city developments. Mm, all right, let's take a look at CDL. And in the news is how it is bracing for tougher times. And this is with the numbers for FY 2023 in focus. A bit of a profit warning of sorts. Uh, they are expecting a drop in profits due to a lack of significant divestment gains. Mm-hmm. So a bit of a profit guidance ahead of its release of numbers coming soon in two months' time. And you also have the headwinds of higher financing costs, which has been an issue for many property companies. Yeah, high financing costs also hurting CDL's bottom line, which is warning investors to brace for a significant drop in profits. Look for more details when CDL reports its earnings that happens February. For now, though, I'm going to give CDL a down. Next up, let's look at Nanofilm. All right, this is going to be an up for me. It's making more headway in Europe with its acquisition of nearly $9.9 million of a German company called Axentech. And this is going to help it get more revenue when it comes to coating stuff, which it's already doing, and getting more customers in the medtech space. Indeed. Nanofilm spending about $10 million to buy this German company that is in a similar business, providing coating solutions to industrial and medical industries. And this acquisition should help Nanofilm expand. I'll give it an up. Let's check in on local markets now. The Straits Times Index opened in the red yesterday and tested support at 3,100, falling below that mark before rallying close to above it. By day's end, the SDI finished up about four points, a fraction of a percent at 31.12. Citrium, the best performer amongst blue chips, adding on to its recent gains, finishing up 2.7%. On the other end of the table, we had DFI retail falling nearly 1%. It is down nearly 25% since January. That makes it one of the worst performing SDI constituents this year. Our last word today belongs to private equity investor Blackstone, not to be confused with Black Rock. 
Blackstone works with high net worth individuals, which uh, and they specialize in alternative investments. And Blackstone is making waves. It's created a five minute holiday video. It's gone viral. I don't know if you've seen it, Ryan. I've seen some bits <laughs> of it. It is, I would say, eyebrow raising. It is. Yeah, it's a mockumentary, and it's based on Taylor Swift's Eras tours. Blackstone poking fun at itself in this holiday video, effectively also very well, I think, telling the story of its uh, business uh, uh. and the trillions of assets it has under management. What did you think? I would give it some props, you know, try something new. Don't be afraid to poke fun at yourself. Um, <laughs> some people would say, hey, it's a bit cringy, but you know, I suppose any publicity is good publicity. Now we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a bit long though. Mm, I suppose they'll come up a version remakes or something to let it um, run on TikTok more. Yeah, yeah, I'll look out for that. Uh, this cute video, it's a six-holiday video called Alternatives. Uh, six one that it's created under the leadership of Jonathan Gray, who became Blackstone's president in 2018. It is also by far the company's most successful holiday video with more than 600,000 hits. Um, were you surprised to see a financial institution poking fun at itself so publicly? I suppose it's an encouraging sign that a company is confident enough to do something like this. Um, so, surprised in the sense that, hey, uh, it's very strange for them at an age <laughs> to go into this sort of dance and music type of video. But props to it, they've um, managed to put on a show. I mean, can you imagine any corporation in Singapore mocking itself? Well, I'm not sure mocking itself, but I remember this video back in the day. It was many years ago. Oh. I think it was the MDA and there was something going on. A bit of a dance and rapping oh, um, kind cute. of annual video going on. It did not get, I suppose, the attraction or at least the the props they were hoping for. It left quite a bit of people divided whether it was a good move or bad move. <laughs> Just like what we are seeing today, you won't get everyone on board whatever we do anyways. Just go and do it. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's the thing with humor, right? You're always taking a risk. You can't please every audience if you want to take the humorous route. But good on you. Um, I have to say Blackstone, that's great. I liked it. You can find it online. Search for Blackstone Taylor's Taylor Swift video. All right, Ryan, want to say happy, um, Merry Christmas to everybody? Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas to everyone listening in. Thanks for tuning in for... The year so far and looking forward to catching you next year as well. Look at that. It's perfectly scripted. New Year and Merry Christmas I say wishes. this every year. <laughs> <laughs> He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with me because you've got three whole hours of me coming up. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.